to this bonus episode of what the actual left for the week if this is your first time tuning in hi my name's harmony and i'm your host if you're into true crime conspiracies hauntings dark tales lore and so much creepier things then stick around because what the actual left may just be something you'd enjoy okay i know i just released an episode yesterday but I found a case recently that I have been dying to share with you guys. This case is crazy and it's so twisted. How many of you have close friends? Ones that you genuinely believe you can trust? I'm sure we all have somebody like that, but have you ever wondered if those friends would turn on you? I'm sure a lot of you right now are thinking, no way, my friend would never do that. I trust them. But what if money is involved? Something this podcast has taught me with all of my research. Money can make people do very bad things. Things that many of us would look at one another and think, I would never. While other people hear money and think, cha-ching, cha-ching, I fucking would. Okay, okay, let me get down to the brass tacks. The discovery of a 19-year-old's car that was abandoned on a bridge in New Jersey would end up turning into a missing persons case that would evolve into a months-long homicide investigation. As the case tears apart a Jersey Shore town, police would discover a plot involving money, close friends, and a fatal betrayal. This is the betrayal of Sarah Stern. Nine one one. Where is the emergency? And not the emergency. Um, actually, on the Belmar Bridge, right after heading south in the middle of the bridge, there's a car that's abandoned. It's off to the side of the road. The trail is the only truth that sticks. That is a famous quote by Arthur Miller, and it really lays the groundwork for the case of Sarah Stern. Now, we're going to go back in order for me to begin all the way back to December 3rd of 2016. Around 3 o'clock in the morning, an Uber driver is driving along Shark River in Belmar, New Jersey, when he notices an abandoned vehicle. The driver senses that something may be wrong and decides to call the police. This 1994 silver four-door Oldsmobile 88 was parked in a very odd way. Sitting at the crest of the Route 35 bridge that connected Belmar and Avon by the sea, there would be no reason for the vehicle to be here. Worried, the police arrive and begin to investigate. They immediately find that the keys are sitting in the ignition, but there was no sign of anyone inside or near the car. The car looked fine and worked perfectly, leaving them to wonder why was it abandoned. They traced the vehicle back to a 96-year-old by the name of Lillian Stern, 
This is when they discovered that her granddaughter, 19-year-old Sarah Stern, was the one who drove it. Police needed to find out where Sarah was, especially since the vehicle was located on top of a bridge overlooking Shark River. Had Sarah fallen in? Did she jump? Had she been pushed? Investigators and the town were left wondering what happened to Sarah. Pretty much the same thing. We've like I said, uh, you know, the detective from the county is going to come in and uh, talk to you. Hey, Liam, thank you for coming in, man. You know, Tom. I'm Ryan. I work, I'm a detective with the prosecutor's office. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Um, the goal of that interview was for me to get to meet Liam and also speak to him directly uh, in an effort to find Sarah. He was being cooperative with police. He was helping in the search efforts. He was always cooperative. He answered all their questions. Um, where, uh, where do you live with him? I live with my roommate, uh, Preston. Preston Taylor. Is he friends with Sarah also? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we all went to high school together. Okay. Police would eventually get in touch with Michael, Sarah's father. He was on vacation in Florida at this time. He told police that he had been trying to get in touch with his daughter all night. However, he couldn't get her on the phone and she wasn't returning any calls or any of his numerous texts. This made him start to worry because he had no idea where his daughter was. Police began searching even harder for Sarah. Police would make their way to one of her closest friends. Liam McAtasney. At around 4 o'clock in the morning, police reached out to Liam. Liam was friends with Sarah since the first grade. Liam met Sarah when the two were six years old. They met one morning at Sunday school and became fast friends. Liam told officers that it seemed as though lately Sarah was actually quite depressed. He even went on to say that she was packing up a lot of her things and that she was planning on running away to Canada. He told police that Michael, Sarah's father, was crazy and hadn't been treating Sarah very well. In fact, Liam claimed that the two's relationship was volatile. Now, police were aware that Sarah's mother had died of cancer in 2013, and Sarah was the only child, leaving Sarah alone with her father. Liam also told police that Sarah had confided in him and she was suicidal. This caused a lot of concern. Because they found Sarah's abandoned car on a bridge, it left police wondering, had she actually taken her own life? Here was her closest friend telling them she was suicidal. And if she hadn't run away, well, maybe she did jump. This caused a lot of concern for police. They feared that she had been swept away into the Atlantic Ocean if she did in fact jump from the bridge which left very little chance of ever finding her body. The search for Sarah grew more and more intense, but police had no idea just how close they really were. He had been questioned at this point several times and was looking to give any information he could. Um, what's the extent of your relationship? Uh, I would say we're pretty close friends. Um, was she ever your girlfriend? No.
The search for Sarah in Shark River and the surrounding areas would reveal no clues as to what exactly happened to Sarah. There was a surveillance camera under the Route 35 bridge that police thought would assist in their investigation. Unfortunately, however, this camera hadn't been working for years, so it was ultimately a dead end. This led police to go back to Liam. Not only was he close to Sarah, but they believed that he was one of the last people to see her. This was because the two had met for food on the 2nd of December. So, police thought that maybe if they met with Liam, they could put together a timeline. A timeline of exactly what Sarah's last known movements were. And maybe even get her exact state of mind, just in case suicide was the ultimate cause of her disappearance. That day, on December 2nd, they went to Taco Bell together. They ran a few errands and decided to go back to her house. Liam said that he left that afternoon just before work and that this was the last time he remembers seeing Sarah. Sarah Stern's neighbor, however, had a surveillance camera and it did show Liam leaving the house that afternoon. This was in line with what Liam told police. He told them he left her house in the afternoon so that he could make it to work. Later that night, the neighbor's camera would show Sarah's car reversing out of her driveway. This happened around 11.45. They couldn't determine who was driving the vehicle, however. This brings us to when her car was spotted on the bridge, bringing us back to the police, finding the car, and realizing Sarah is missing. Now, because of all of this footage and because of Liam's story, police believe that Sarah drove her vehicle to the bridge and actually took her own life. Case closed, right? Case closed, right? A sad and heartbreaking story of a suicide. A life cut too short. Let's move along to the next case. Only, that's not what happened. In fact, what happened to Sarah is far worse. Sarah wasn't responsible for her disappearance. In fact, Sarah hadn't taken her life, but somebody had. And the person behind it may shock you. Does she ever talk about liking guys or... Not that I know of girls. No. She has been known to obsess over girls in the past, though. He talks about an ex-girlfriend of his, Maggie, who Sarah became obsessed with. She just would always say stuff like, Maggie, if you don't come here right now, I'm going to kill myself. Thanks for dropping. Okay, why do you think she jumped? Just from the stories that I've heard about what goes on with her and her dad. Many of Sarah's friends and family didn't believe that she was depressed. In fact, nobody did except for Liam. Nobody would have described her as being depressed. In fact, they all saw her as being full of life and very happy-go-lucky. Furthermore, they knew that if she was going anywhere, she would have taken her much-loved dog, Buddy, with her. Buddy, however, was locked in a cage at her house the night that she went missing. This was very unusual. And he was starving. This was not like Sarah at all. She loved Buddy and she cared for him immensely. It was so out of character for her to leave Buddy and to leave him in this condition. Out of everything in the world, she loved Buddy the most. 
and there was no way she would leave him like that. Everything going on and what they were finding out was bizarre. With the exception of Liam, nobody believed that Sarah was depressed. And despite the belief that Sarah would not have left on her own accord without Buddy, the search was eventually called off. It didn't seem as there was enough information or enough evidence to show that Sarah was in immediate danger. All the evidence seemed to be pointing to Sarah just leaving on her own accord, or worse, ending her life. Police and the community still continued to search the shore area, but nothing was found. It was beginning to look like Sarah's disappearance would remain an ultimate mystery. That would change, however, in January of 2017, when two of her closest friends were implicated. He told me he was going to uh, meet up Sarah. She found his money, and uh, they were going to count it together. He was going to choke her, choke her out, uh, bring her to the bridge, throw her off. And Preston was going to drive the escape vehicle, and uh, and they were going to bury the money and leave the keys and the ignition and make it look like she killed herself. Okay. This brings us to Anthony Curry. Anthony Curry would contact the police because he believed he may have some information. Anthony was a very good friend of Liam, and he had quite the story. According to Anthony, Liam had told him that he wanted to kill a girl. However, he said that this was just the plot of some movie he wanted to create. So naturally, Anthony didn't think anything of this. That was until he heard that Sarah was missing. Anthony immediately started to think maybe Liam actually had done something, especially because there were some things that were too similar to ignore. Anthony decided to assist the police in their investigation, and on January 31st, 2017, he agreed to secretly record Liam in hopes that he would incriminate himself. And great news, he did! Liam, in fact, would not shut the fuck up about exactly what he did to Sarah. You see, something I definitely have learned in this research is a lot of killers and murderers are arrogant. And they are so arrogant that it makes them cocky. And it is that cockiness that brings them to their downfall. It really didn't take much to get a confession. Liam wanted to talk, and he wanted to tell Anthony exactly what happened to Sarah. It was as though he was boasting about this heinous act that he had committed, this ultimate act of betrayal that he was so proud of the moment he ended Sarah's life. He described her death in detail, even down to telling Anthony how many times Sarah had called out his name. In the recording, Liam says this, It took me half an hour to kill her. I thought I was going to be able to choke her out and have her out in like a couple of minutes. Spoiler alert, guys. Killing somebody is not like what you see in the movies. 
Unless you crush someone's trachea, it does take time to strangle them. Liam would describe choking Sarah in detail, even stating that she ended up having a seizure. He choked her with such force that her body was dangling up in the air while he held her in his hands. When she had a seizure, he stuffed a shirt down her throat and held his finger over her nose. He showed absolutely no mercy for Sarah. He timed it as well, and that's when he knew it took roughly 30 minutes for her to die. This had to be the most terrifying 30 minutes of Sarah's life. And even worse, these would be the last moments that she would ever experience on this earth. I cannot imagine the sheer fear that was going through her. He told Anthony that with the help of another friend by the name of Preston Taylor, they threw Sarah's body off the bridge the very bridge they found her abandoned car. He said that he had watched how Sarah drove the car beforehand and that he went back after work so that he could back it out of the driveway just as she would. This way, it wouldn't raise any suspicions that she wasn't the one driving. So when he got in, he hid that it was him. He then placed Sarah's dead body in the passenger seat of her own car and proceeded to drive to the bridge. Guys, this is just the beginning. This case is full of betrayal and deceit, and we have barely brushed the surface. Nobody was there. Nobody was there. Even her dad wasn't there. He was in Florida. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. So, I have to leave. I fucking dropped my phone at Sarah's house. My phone was at Sarah's house. Like... Wait, you left your phone? Yeah, I lost it. I couldn't find it. I had to go to work. I had timed everything out so that... Well, why did you take your phone? You should have left it in your fucking pocket. Dude. What were you doing? Strangling someone? The very next day, police would arrest Liam and Preston. Liam, Preston, and Sarah were all very close. The three were kind of like the Three Stooges, or the Three Musketeers. They all attended Neptune High School together. Before you even ask, no, Sarah never dated Liam or Preston. Preston, however, did take Sarah to their prom, but none of the three were ever romantically linked. They were all just really, really good friends. Leaving the communities of Belmar and Avon-by-the-Sea shocked at the thought that they could be involved in not just her disappearance, but possibly her death. One good thing that I can say about this case is unlike a lot of the cases I tell you about where a young woman has gone missing or is found deceased, the motive in this one wasn't sexual. Yes, yes, somebody really was killed. But for the first time in a handful of cases, it doesn't seem as though the motive was sexual. The motive this time was money. As soon as Liam found out that one of his best friends had money, he set about planning on how he could get that money. And he would go about it by any means necessary. And I do mean any means. fucking losing my shit, because that easily could have been a cop. Mm. And then... I mean, the police station is, like, right there. Yeah, yeah. And then Preston comes over the bridge, goes around and makes a U-turn, comes up behind me. The two of us throw the body over, and then we grab. 
As you guys can tell, I'm including audio in this podcast much as I always do. <laughs> I know, it's a podcast, it's all audio. But I mean the audio of Liam's confession. However, this audio, very real and very much a confession to murder, still wasn't enough. The police knew that they needed more than just this confession from Liam. They needed more in order to have a solid prosecution, a solid, solid case because they did not have a body. And in many, many cases, no matter what, a body is often needed. They got their lucky break. Liam refused to talk or answer any of their questions. But Preston, however, confessed to his involvement and he told police everything. Preston would go on and plead guilty. He pled guilty to helping throw Sarah's body from the bridge he pled guilty to robbery, also pled guilty to conspiracy to commit robbery, tampering with physical evidence, and two counts of hindering apprehension. This was a devastating blow to his friend Liam. Preston also agreed to testify against Liam at his trial. So, in case you haven't figured it out, Liam was fucked. to think that somebody that pretended to be her friend actually did that to her and without any remorse and it, it, it's just it's painful it's sad and it's it's just it, it's beyond anything that I've ever experienced before in my life and it's just horrible at Liam's trial Liam was charged with murder felony murder conspiracy to commit robbery robbery hindering apprehension, tampering with evidence, and disturbing human remains. And wouldn't you know, Liam pled not guilty. No, it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Even though Sarah's body still had not been found, the case against Liam was strong. The jury heard about the motive and the actual murder and the aftermath in Liam's own words via the recorded confession the very confession his friend Anthony got from him. They also heard from Preston, who told the court everything that had happened. He said that on the 2nd of December, Liam returned to the house. Preston and Liam were roommates, by the way. Sorry, in case I forgot to tell ya. He told Preston that he had strangled Sarah when he arrived home. Preston then went with Liam to her house, picked her up, put her in her own car, and drove her to the bridge. They worked together and threw her body into the river. Then they left her car abandoned on the bridge, making it look as though she committed suicide. And this plan almost worked. Seriously, if Anthony had not have come forward, who knows if Liam would have ever been caught. Did tell you anything about killing Sarah Stern? He said that he strangled her. Did he go, to, go into significant detail at that point in time? He said it took a while, but she did finally die, and then he moved her down to the back bathroom. Did he tell you, like, where he killed her? Up in the, in the front of the house. The, the front of the house? Yeah, front of where they were leaving to go out the front door, and as she was about to walk out, <coughs> he grabs her from behind and drank her. He told you? Told you now. Did that take him a lot of time? Was he in a rush to go to work? He was. Did, did it take him a lot of time to tell you that that's what happened? No. Okay. 
Do you guys want to know what Liam's defense was? His defense was that the recording that Anthony took was simply Liam telling Anthony about a plot for a film. You know, the film he had mentioned beforehand. This was all because Anthony was a filmmaker. He also said that Preston, his best friend, was a fucking liar. Yeah, so wouldn't you know, the world's against him. All he did was tell one of his friends about a plot for an amazing movie, and that his best friend and roommate was nothing but a liar. Mm-hmm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just like you probably sitting there right now thinking, mm-mm, I don't believe it. Neither did anybody else. Liam was found guilty on all seven counts and was sentenced to life without parole. He was sentenced to an additional 10 years for the desecration of human remains. And those sentences will run consecutively. Do you think her behavior was odd? Yeah. I didn't think it at first, but I, she's always wanting to go to Canada. One thing I, I want to talk to you guys about was um, if she, she did jump off the bridge, what are the odds that she's not somewhere all the way out in the ocean by now? And did she tell you she was going to jump off the bridge? No. Sarah Stern had been betrayed by two of the people she trusted most in her life. For six months, Liam had been planning an attack on Sarah, all while she was spending time with him, confiding in him, making plans with him, and all while she saw him as a friend, someone she had known and trusted since the first grade. For six months, the final six months of Sarah's life, Liam was figuring out a plan to steal her money and kill her. Liam believed that Sarah had around $100,000. He knew that after her mother died, she had come into some money, but the money Sarah had was nowhere near that. In fact, it was actually less than $10,000. Now, Preston may not have murdered Sarah, as the judge did point out in court. He did everything but put his hands around her neck. He knew about the plan, and he was a willing participant in the aftermath. Hell, at any point before that night, he could have gotten help and stopped this from happening. Unlike Liam, however, Liam Taylor expressed remorse for his part in the crime. At his sentencing hearing, he had this to say, There's so many things about this scenario I wish I could take back and make right. I should have known better, and I should have done something to stop this and I wish more than anything that I had. I'm sorry. Those words though were too little too late. As Preston spoke these words, Sarah's father, Michael, walked out of the courtroom. He didn't want to hear any apologies nor explanations. No excuses and no apologies could bring Sarah back. Preston was sentenced to 18 years in prison. I wish I had some sort of good news at this point. I wish I could tell you that Sarah's body has been found, but to this day, it hasn't. Sarah's father has to live without his wife, and now without his only child. He doesn't have closure. He can't lay his daughter to rest. Michael had this to say, I was devastated and numb from shock the day I learned from detectives Sarah had been murdered. I've had horrific dreams and nightmares. The horrid act of what happened to her body haunts me every day. I will never be able to hug Sarah again. 
Michael's words express that it isn't just the loss of his beautiful daughter that he has to endure by the haunting memory of what happened to her, and the fact that her body has still not been found. It is solely boiled down to the callous and heinous actions of Liam and Preston. Liam may have murdered her, watching the life fade from her eyes as he strangled her. But it was both Liam and Preston that disregarded her by tossing her over a bridge and into Shark River as if she never mattered to either of them. Guilty. 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 You don't believe somebody would do something like that, so... See, you know, it's heartbreaking in a sense, you know? Somebody who's your good friend, you don't think they would do something like that. I uh, really don't know how to end this episode. All I know is I wanted to share this case with you. I stumbled upon it a while ago and wanted to put everything together. And when I realized I had everything I needed, I couldn't wait. I wanted to share with you this insane case about Sarah Stern. The fact that people that are so close to you are so easy to betray. It kind of makes you wonder, would somebody in my life kill me for money? <laughs> I mean, with gas prices these days, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Money is a very real motive in a lot of murders. If it's not infidelity, it's the fear of divorce, it's the fear of what society will think of you, of what your friends and your family are gonna say, or there's a price tag. So let me ask you this. What do you think the price on your life is? And most of all, look at those closest to you. What is their price tag on your life? Anyways, guys, I hope you have a fantastic weekend with your friends and your family and those you love. Always remember, though, murder is often on someone's mind. Are you around that someone? Watch your back, guys, and stay safe. The last thing I want to do is tell a story about you. I love you guys, and I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of What the Actual F. As always, you can send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. You can also follow me at ohheyitsharmony on Instagram and on TikTok. And it's time for me to go now. I'll talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. <clears throat> uh, th this is where you stop listening. Bye!